everyone. Hi, I'm Jamie. And I'm Derek. And welcome to I Know You with Derek and Jamie, the podcast where two friends recommend something to watch based around a weekly theme. It could be a movie, TV show, really anything that we choose. Also, we always have a themed bonus segment where we discuss anything from current news stories to dream fan castings to movie trailer reactions. The possibilities are literally endless. We also end each show with some mini games, so stick around for that. Today's theme is old-timey rivalries, and we chose this theme because Godzilla vs. Kong came out last week. And if you remember from the very first episode, we reviewed the trailer for this movie. Derek loved it so much that we decided, why not theme this week's episode around the movie? So rivalries were suggested, and we needed a little bit something more. So I suggested old-timey English stuff. It's the best of both worlds, really. This week, if you guessed it right, I suggested the miniseries The English Game, which is on Netflix, and we'll be reviewing the first three episodes of it, which I guess it wasn't really that hard to figure out I chose that one. For this week, I chose The Prestige. And also, just a disclaimer before we jump in, obviously, there's going to be spoilers in our podcast. Listen at your own risk. Unless you've seen both these movies slash miniseries, then enjoy our commentary. All right, Derek, so what did you do this past week? What have you been up to? I made a cake. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> what? <laughs> Wait, why'd you make a cake? Uh, it's cake week. Is it? Is it really? <laughs> no, I have oh. no idea. Katie asked me, she's like, I've been feeling cake lately. So when I was coming home from my uh, weekly D&D sesh, I stopped at Publix and I was like, picked up a yellow cake mix and some frosting and we made a cake. Heck yeah. Mine was just, I don't know. I just wanted to make a cake. I saw there's just a chocolate buttermilk cake, a baking book that I got. And I was like, oh, fuck yeah, I'm making that. (laughs) That sounds awesome. Mine was just yellow cake with chocolate frosting. Very simple. It was very complicated. Like I thought I messed up so many times and the entire time I was doing this, I was like, Paul Hollywood would be so disappointed in me. (laughs) You're never getting that handshake. Never going to get the handshake. (laughs) So cake week would be my demise. Oh yeah. We watched (laughs) some of our old college videos and cracked up at how bad they were. We were both in media in college and you have to do assignments in their videos. One of them that I did was like a party scene before a boyfriend finds a dude's phone number in his girlfriend's purse. But Derek was the guy giving the phone number to the girl. And I was terrible. I was was so bad. So bad. Okay, Katie said I was better at hitting on one of the other party goers than I was actually on Hannah. I think it was with Blake. Like, I was better hitting on Blake, our friend, (laughs) rather than just hitting on Hannah, who I was supposed to actually be hitting on for the thing. But I'm just such an awkward dumbass that I can't do that. It was fun reminiscing on that. Derek's I had never seen before. I was out of school by the time Derek was doing his, so I didn't even get to participate in it. Nope. Mine was 100% solely filmed with my fiance Katie. Mine was really weird. It gets it like starts off as a burglary and then the person gets obsessed with a raccoon and hijinks and then her twin ensue. sister walks in. <laughs> her twin sister it was a whole prestige home. thing. Oh don't oh. Oh. well we did say there would be spoilers. And your movies first so you might as well go ahead and let That's us a know. Good, okay good transition Jamie. There we go. <laughs> we'll start and we'll get into the show. Uh, we'll start with my suggestion which like I said was the prestige. So before I get into uh, any information about the movie, I'm going to give my guesses for Jamie's scores. So for objective competency, I'm going to say you gave it an A for personal enjoyment. I don't think you love this film that much. I think you like respected it, kind of respected the craft, but 
didn't love it. So I think you only gave it a five out of 10. And then rewatchability, I think you might watch it one more time just to see if you could spot the twists, but probably not outside of that. I'm giving it a three out of five. So The Prestige came out in 2006 and is directed by Christopher Nolan and stars Christian Bale, Hugh Jackman, Michael Caine, Scarlett Johansson, Rebecca Hall, Piper Perabo, Andy Serkis, and David Bowie. It's based on the novel of the same name by Christopher Priest, which came out in 1995. This film follows Angier and Borden, rival stage magicians in London, and after a tragic accident, the two magicians engage in a battle to create the ultimate illusion, while sacrificing everything to outwit the other. A little background on my history with the film. I saw it when it first came out. I was like 13, 14 at the time. Because of that, it kind of like blew my mind and I just loved it ever since and I go back to it uh, not too often but every couple of years you put it back on and you just kind of relive it and you remember the experiences and you try to see if you can notice anything new but Jamie what did you like about this film or not like or what did you think general thoughts I'm like I shouldn't be projecting you like this <laughs> film right right um, no, I'm what gonna you think? start off with what I liked let's okay. go with that let's be positive in the beginning all right, all right. <laughs> what did you like let me just say, my favorite character was Michael Caine, or as you can say it with his British accent, you say my cocaine with Michael a British Kane. accent. Michael Caine. Michael Caine. <laughs> That's how he says his name. I kept wanting him to have a bigger role. I thought he was great. He has like a pretty sizable role in the film, but yeah, like he's not super like important to the, well, not, he's important to the pop, but he's not like super like pulling the strings or anything, you know? That's what I wanted him to be. Uh, okay. I wanted him to be involved in some shit. You wanted him to be like the puppet master at the end kind of yeah. thing? Yeah. I wanted him to have framed Christian Bale and to like have fucked with Hugh Jackman's mind. Kind of like playing them both off each other so he could just mm -hmm. like make more money and stuff. That would have been interesting. I could definitely see that. I don't know if it would have ruined the character for me though because he was kind of just like, I'm just a nice old man who likes to build magic tricks. <laughs> like, you know, like if he was like, turned out to be like, I'm actually an evil mastermind who pitted these two fools against each other and ruined both of their lives for my own personal gain. <laughs> I'd been like, oh no, Michael Caine. You said it was a Christopher Nolan movie. And so I know twists are in his movies and that's what I wanted the twist to be. Okay, another thing I liked, I think it was shot well. I think the locations looked cool and grungy. Like it yeah. definitely was set very well. The acting was great. Like Hugh and Christian, top notch. Oh, yeah. Especially Christian. I don't think he was nominated for this at all. Or he might have been, but he definitely didn't win. So the twist of The Prestige is there's actually like two twists. You find out that one, Christian Bale is actually playing two characters, Alfred Borden, the magician, and then his like bodyguard slash like confidant Fallon. And like you find out that they're actually twins and that they've actually both been living like half a life and they like keep switching. And like it seems like even they're kind of confused at who's who and everything. Thing. So that's one twist. And then the second twist is that you find out that Hugh Jackman, the machine he bought from Tesla, and this is, I feel like, a slightly less of a twist or more, I don't know, that his machine was actually cloning him and also teleporting him. Every night when he was doing that, he was killing one of them, which could have been the real him or not. So those are the two major twists. So that's why I think Christian Bale did an extra spectacular job, because he kind of yeah. had to pull off the subtle differences between the two, which I think upon rewatch, you do notice the differences. That's why I liked Christian Bale's character more than Hugh Jackman's. He was committed to the magic. He was a fucking psychopath and he didn't give two shits about nothing. Uh, one twin had their fingers blown off. They cut the other twin's fingers they off. They had to cut the other ones off too. 
I was actually going to add, that was uh, something I wrote down that I wanted to bring up. Like, who did you like more? I'm glad you just brought that up. Like, it honestly, on rewatch, it, it like kind of goes back and forth in who I like more. Like, for me, I start off liking Hugh Jackman more. And I think the film kind of wants you to. Yeah, it definitely is pulling you towards Hugh Jackman's character. And then it's kind of like at the end, it kind of drops the floor out from both. And it's just like, all right, they're both kind of shitty. You could say like the Christian Bale's characters were like sacrificing everything for their craft. But at the same time, it was kind of a dick thing to do to Sarah and uh Oh, yeah, Scarlett that's Johansson's. one of the things I hated. How he was gaslighting his wife. Like, just let her in on it. Right. Like, she's not involved in his career at all. But that's like, I guess his thing is the he commitment. wanted to. That's why he's a fucking psychopath. Right. Like he committed so hard that like even before he started the trick, how far back does it go? And I know. Is it like when they're kids, when they were like, hey, we should pretend to be the same person and get like really good at magic? Or was yeah. it when he decided to do the teleporting trick was when he was like, my twin brother should come to town. <laughs> I think it was well before that, because I think you see yeah. Fallon in his life. She's asking him, like, is this going to be like your masterpiece? He's like, oh, no, not yet that one's it's got to be just right so i think he had it Mm. like plant like just true planning on it like waiting for it yeah and so hugh jackman's character was nice he was just obsessive and it's not that i think christian bale is a better person than hugh jackman i just liked the complexities of christian bale more than i liked the issues that hugh jackman had i guess christian bale's is a little more three-dimensional uh where hugh jackman's is kind of more just like he kind of wants revenge for Mm -hmm. what christian bale did to his wife or like potentially did to his wife it's never really known whether like i guess they did that one knot but oh as soon as they said a different knot i knew she was gonna die speaking of like knowing things did you see either of the twists coming the hugh jackman one definitely saw i think that one's telegraphed much more i think that one oh yeah i think the film's kind of like hey this is what's kind of happening when did you like figure that out do you remember so obviously like the suspicions when he was testing it with tesla with the hats and stuff with the hats and the cats yeah like that was like okay at first i thought because i really really wanted Michael Caine to be the like bad guy here and I really wanted him to have planted like a bunch of top hats <laughs> oh my god he just it just shows you back and he's just like taking top hats out of a bag like <laughs> and like he gets a, another cat and throws it out there like yes like what the fuck I really wanted that to be it I was like that would be so great <laughs> I don't know why but that would be like less believable than like science magic invented by Nikola Tesla so they're obviously suspicions I'm like okay it does clone or it's Michael right. Caine and then when he did the thing like tested it out mm-hmm and he had the gun with him, then I was like, it's real. I was like, right. he's cloning himself. And then knowing the ending, because they showed the ending at the beginning, right. that I was like, he's killing each of his clones every night. Right. Like, that wasn't hard to figure out. Or he's killing himself every night and his well, clones Well, yeah, it's survives. whatever. He's killing who know. is ever disappearing. And then the new guy is the, yeah. the clone. So I knew that. The Christian Bale, I feel like they mentioned it when Hugh Jackman was trying to figure out the trick. Didn't they say something like, it's his brother or something oh, like yeah, lines. I think so. Like Michael King was definitely saying like, it's just a double. It's a double. Yeah. And then Hugh Jackman's like, no, it just wasn't accepting it for some reason. I know. And I think he might have said, I don't know. They found someone. Maybe he's a brother or something. Oh, no, no, no. I think you're thinking of when uh, Michael Caine said when they found Hugh Jackman's double, he said, when I'm done with him, he could look like your brother. And Hugh Jackman's like, I don't need him to look like my brother. Either way, it alluded to the fact it that alu- Christian oh, Bale. Yeah, yeah, I didn't even 
connect that yeah. then like that's what i'm saying like when you revisit this film there's so many things that it's just slapping you in the face with the twists like yeah. over and over the first shot is the hats so it's just giving it away right there and even with the opening monologue of the three stages of the illusion the pledge the turn then the prestige it's basically like here's what's gonna happen in the movie some things that i didn't like in this oh what didn't you like <gasps> I hated the time jumps. Like, you hated the one time jump in Carol because they didn't say it? That (laughs) there was a time jump? You're a fucking hypocrite for liking this movie. It doesn't tell you time jumps at all. I was like, wait, are we in, like, the current time? Are we in the past? Are we in the further past? Are we in the more present current from the past? I'm like, what the fuck? I was so confused most of the time. Like, eventually I got there. But in, like, the first 30 minutes of the movie, I was like, this fucking annoys me. This isn't, like, an excuse for it more of an explanation but i think that's intentional it's supposed to be slightly like misdirecting kind of thing honestly i thought about that when i was re-watching there's something i wrote down i'm like hmm were you able to follow it or because i remember the first time i watched it it is hard it is kind of a movie that you kind of need to watch a couple times not to like really appreciate it but to like really nail down what's happening when yeah i've seen it multiple times but they do show small things like there's three main time periods like the two magicians in london borden in prison and then Angier in the U.S. And you can tell like Borden in prison is when he's reading the diary of Angier. And Angier is in the U.S. when he's reading the diary of Borden. And the diary of Borden is like the main story of them in England. Yeah, I can see how it gets confusing. But I think that is intentional. And that's why I kind of more forgive it in this film. But I think if you just told this story from beginning to end as it happened, I don't think it would have the same effect. Like, I think you kind of need to tell this one out of order to get the same effect of the, like, reveal at the end. It just annoyed me. I would have been fine with them showing the ending first because the ending first sets the stage for the rest of it. And then I wish I could have just seen it chronologically happen instead of it going back and forth of journals and deceit and hurting each other and going back and forth. I just, I wish it, I did not enjoy the time jumps in this. Uh, I'll can say something something I didn't like. I didn't like Scarlett Johansson's uh, performance or her accent. Like her accent was terrible. Like, she's a good actress. She's, she's a great fantastic. Actress. It's just in this movie, she didn't hit it. I think it was the act. I think she was trying so hard with that accent and was just failing on that, that she couldn't really devote time to the performance because it is a weak performance from her. I know. An unexpectedly weak performance from her. And a very terrible, just that accent is so bad. Audience, listen up. It's as bad as our English accents. Okay, at least mine. I'm actually half British. Like, my mom is from England. <laughs> so I have have a slightly better one than Derek, but I'm not even going to show it on here because yeah, my family in England tried. listens, so they'll judge me if I do really bad. I think that's a risk you have to take. I mean, what this is like old-timey English stuff. I think this is the episode to do an English accent, and that was so bad. That what was, was that? I don't know. It went to like, I, I think I sw- tried to switch to Scottish midway through, and then I said, fuck it, let's go to like Southern. I don't know. That was... You just combined like 14 different accents in one. <laughs> Yet still better than Scarlett Johansson's accent in the yeah, film. Yeah, I know. I didn't like that they put science magic in it. You didn't like I that? I wish it had been strictly more historical and right. real life. The whole 
Tesla thing and the cloning thing. I hated that. Like, it definitely sets it up that way, especially by, like, showing the mechanics of all the different illusions and stuff. But I think it's just one of those things where you either accept it or you don't. It either, like, pulls you out of the film or pulls you further in. I think that's just a personal preference. For me, it pulled me more in. And I think part of that is David Bowie's performance of Tesla. Oh, I love David Bowie. He showed up and I was like, it's David Bowie. Like, I wasn't looking at him as Tesla. I was just like, David Bowie's there. Yes, right. that makes sense. <laughs> just think of it as not Tesla inventing it. Just David Bowie traversing time and space inventing cloning <laughs> machines. Changed my entire outlook on this movie. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Boom. But yeah, with the whole science magic thing, I wanted it to be normal because it kept you guessing. Like, you're trying to figure out how they do these tricks. And so the entire movie up until the like when I figured out that he was finally cloning himself. Right. Like, I was figuring out in my head how I wanted it to happen so much so that I wasn't super invested in the movie when it turned out not to be true. Was yeah. that I wanted the ending where Hugh Jackman's character dies in the tank with Christian Bale watching it. I wanted that to have been the double they used. And Hugh Jackman to really still be alive. Oh, that would have been great. That would have been interesting. Like, you don't have to add the sciencey magic to get the reaction of the twist. To me, it just ruined it because the entire movie was real. Yeah. Up until that point. I have one last thing that I want to bring up. The whole uh, Christian Bale lying to his wife and her eventually committing suicide and all of that. I have to bring up my office reference. Oh Secret God. secrets are no fun. Secret secrets hurt someone. <laughs> Right. I will say, I wish they would not like showed her hanging herself. But, I know like, that was triggering. I didn't like showed that. Something that like, upset me. Show sh- show something. Don't just say just that she killed herself. To it. They alluded to everything else. Just allude right. to it. Right. You could have done something different. Uh, I don't know. But okay. On to your scores. Let's give everyone a reminder. Okay. So for objective competence, my guess was an A, and yours. I gave it a C. Ooh, you gave it a C? I think they went the wrong direction entirely with this movie. The acting by Christian Bale and Hugh Jackman and the setting are the only things that I genuinely liked Dang. about this movie. I just don't think they went the right way okay. with it. Okay. That's, I was five off on that first one. It's not great. Personal enjoyment. I might be closer to this one. I gave it a five out of ten. I gave it a four out of ten. All right. All right. You're one think, off. Yeah. And then so rewatch, I might I feel like I'm gonna be a, a little off here again. I guessed a three out of five. I gave it a one out of five. I'm never gonna watch this movie again. Oh uh, dang. Doesn't it. interest me. All right. So I was off by a total of eight. Okay, my suggestion was the English game, which is a mini series. And before I get into it, I'm going to give my guesses. Objective competence. I think Derek gave this a B plus for personal enjoyment. I think he gave it a seven. Rewatchability, I gave it a three. So the English game was created by Julian Fellows, who also made Downton Abbey. It stars Edward Holocroft as Arthur Kinyard, Kevin Guthrie as Fergus Souter, Charlotte Hope as Alma Kinyard, James Harkness as Jimmy Love, and so many more. There's so many characters in this show. The story is based on real-life events that led to the birth of modern football, or as us Americans know it, as soccer. Through this discussion, I'm going to be saying football. I will also be saying football. And it's inspired by the real-life rivalry of Arthur and Fergus. So for the summary, 
Since we did three episodes, I'm going to summarize each episode, so it's a little bit longer, but that's okay. Episode one, Fergie Suter and Jimmy Love are hired to be star footballers by Walsh, a mill leader and FC team owner in a working class town of Darwin. They hope to help them win the FA Cup. Arthur Kinneard is the star player of the Old Etonians, an upper class football team. They tie in the quarterfinals and they find out that the Old Etonians are also the FA board members when they decide no extra time is going to be given because it wasn't agreed upon before the game. This makes them reschedule. Darwin is able to eventually get the money to go back to this rematch and they are beaten because Arthur is more focused on messing up suitors playing than he is focused on playing the actual game. And at the end of the episode, Arthur's wife suffers a miscarriage. Now, episode two, there is a bit of a time jump. It's six months from the quarterfinals. Suter starts to change some strategies in Darwin's game. Stokes, who is a Darwin member, asks for a loan at the bank that Arthur works at. The Cotton Guild that controls the mills in Darwin and lots of other places around the area cuts wages by 5%. Workers threaten to strike, and when they cut wages by 10%, they do. The team, besides Suter and Love, refuse to play or train while on strike. Now, Arthur and Alma, which is his wife, are struggling with their miscarriage. Arthur goes on a business trip alone, only for Alma to join him shortly after, and he ends up in Darwin to see the turmoil of the strike turning into a riot. Stokes saves Arthur from the rioters, and he goes to warn the Cotton Guild leader that the rioters are coming for him. They arrest him, and they kill his dog. Arthur testifies on his behalf and saves him from going to jail. He approves his loan. They become buddies. Walsh agrees to cut wages 5% if the team plays their upcoming match. Suter is approached by Cartwright, who is the neighboring town of Blackburn's football owner, and he offers him £100 up front and £6 wage increase if he joins the team. And Suter turns him down. Jimmy Love proposes to Doris. That's like a whole beautiful story in itself. Now, episode three starts off in Glasgow. Suter is visiting his family, and there you learn that his family is poor and that his father is an abusive drunk, and that's where he's been sending his money to. When he returns back to England, he goes to Cartwright, accepts his offer, and says he needs some time to settle stuff in Darwin. Now, at Jimmy's stag party, or bachelor party for us Americans, it ends with Suter being super drunk, feeling guilty, and fighting with Jimmy's friend after being compared to his father. So the next day, obviously, Suter just shows up to the football game, hungover, late, and they lose the game, which means they're out of the FA Cup. Jimmy's wedding happens later that day, and the reception, he opens up about how he finally feels at home, and Suter is actually outed by a teammate who reads a Blackburn ad about Suter joining their team. So Arthur is finally opening up to his friends and family about the loss of his child. He and Alma begin to heal by reaching out to each other. He creates Henry's patch in honor of their son. She starts helping out at a home for unmarried pregnant women and mothers. That was a long description. Three episodes, a lot happens, and I just wanted to <laughs> explain it. All right. All right, Derek. What did you like or didn't like? Just give me your thoughts. <laughs> All right. So what really kept me going through this miniseries, or at least the first three episodes, was definitely the characters. To me, these are really like well-defined, well-portrayed characters. And maybe aside for some of the like the really side characters, especially like some of the really rich upper class people that are just like, my word. Like Arthur's dad. Yeah, like Arthur's dad and the and the leader of all the mills. They're just like, my word, I dare say, I do dare say. They're just stereotypical rich British people. Right. I thought that's what was like Arthur was going to be throughout the series. Yeah. I'm like, oh no, he's going to be a pompous rich asshole and the other ones are going to be, they're poor, but they're rich in spirit and they're going to prove that they're just as good, if not better. But like, no, they proved that pretty much right away, like in that first match. And I'm like, oh shit, where are we going with this? We really get into these characters. Like I said, that's what pulls me through is seeing the different sides of all these characters and all the issues that they're all going through. I don't know. That was probably my favorite thing, Um, especially Jimmy. Jimmy is the best character in this show. Yeah, he's so 
such a great character. He's a comic relief. He's relatable. He's so sweet. He's so sweet. And him and Doris's relationship, it kind of feels a bit rushed. But then you have to consider like there's a six month time gap in between the mm-hmm. first two episodes and this being, you know, a couple hundred years ago. You know, they probably were going a little bit quicker back then. You know, yeah. Yeah, life wasn't as a guaranteed, you know, but their courtship is so I, I love like the first night they sleep together afterwards. Jimmy's like, oh, and Jimmy tries he's to like, cover I got it up. so drunk last night. I didn't even wind up making it to my own bed. And Suda's like, sure, right. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> like, what are you hiding? Like, who cares? He doesn't care that you, you know, come on. Jimmy's just the best. Yeah, that speech in the third episode, he's like, this is my first home. I'm like, Jimmy, Jimmy boy. I think that moment is so effective because it's like, I think this work is true in a lot of like media. Like the really effective emotional moments are ones that do a really big 180, go from like the lowest moment to the highest moment or the highest moment to their lowest moment. Oh yeah, it's right at the conflict. It was like Jimmy's highest moment. He's just got married. He finally feels like fully accepted by the town everything's great and then his best friend more or less betrays him but yeah i also like the story i was a little disappointed at first kind of disappointed throughout that doesn't really focus on football that much you know like it does that's but it doesn't more so in the second half which is why it's tough to suggest miniseries because the whole thing is short yeah and it tells such a long story there is a little more football in the second half the The first half just sets you up okay well then maybe that criticism would go away or maybe it would stay that I'd be like I still want more football in the first half but either way yeah. like especially after watching the trailer it felt like it was really said I'm like you're gonna see the origins of how football was created and you kind of do you but you do. also it's more like you really get to see like how the origin like the original football kind of changed into the more modern day one yeah that's more so what it is it's how it's turning it from a game for gentlemen into a game for right. everyone who decides what the game for for gentlemen is that that seems like the weirdest thing i guess people probably think that about like golf today or something like golf is a game for the rich which it kind of is because you and the you need like money to <laughs> golf i mean i don't think you need to know much about football to appreciate this no, show though can you i can agree? agree to that like yeah it, i don't super follow football or like fifa that much i watch the world yeah. cups when they're on but other than that i don't really follow like any football especially in america it focuses on a lot more than just the game You get the stories of the workers, of the mill, of the guild, all of that. You get the love stories with Jimmy. And then you also have like Fergus and Martha. Mm -hmm. That story is developing. Why did you say that name? Sorry. Sorry. If you've seen Batman or Superman, anytime I hear Martha, that's all I think of. Like literally anytime they said that name, that's literally, that's what popped into my head. Just why did you say that name? Yeah. Sorry. Go Keep going. Keep going. You get the love stories. You get personal struggle a lot with Fergus and with Arthur and you get growth. Oh yeah. You start to see the growth happening in the first three episodes, especially episode three, you see a lot of growth, but it continues throughout the series. I'm not going to talk more on that since we're not reviewing those episodes, but it continues. I also really liked how, like the prestige, it really felt like the time period it was set in you know like it really felt like it because it kind of looked that kind of like grungy and worn down this really felt like the late 1800s with the mustaches and the beards and the suits and the clothing and i really love the wardrobe and how you can see like the 
different oh God, levels great. of wealth. Like you have the mill workers and then you have like Mr. Walsh, who's like a step above them. And then you have like the mill owners, who's a step above Mr. Walsh. And then you have like the bankers who are a step above the mill owners. You can like even just in mm-hmm. like what they're wearing. I find it so sad that the one scene, I think it's in episode two, where Arthur is eating dinner by himself at his home. Oh, that broke my and, heart. Like, <laughs> but he's still wearing like the full tux and like everything. And I'm like, okay, dude, you're sitting at home by yourself fucking put on a nightshirt or something like what the fuck i think that kind of just shows like the societal expectations that he has too like everyone has those expectations yeah and that scene was great because it showed him figuring out that he feels alone but he shouldn't be alone like he's sitting there he's like alma should be there i should be having a normal conversation with my wife and that's when it triggers him to start opening up to his friend who brought up the loss and he was like it's okay and he finally like admitted we were gonna name him henry and everything and then that made him plant Henry's patch. Yeah. That's like what triggered a I love lot of that because like he like opens up to his friend and his friend just like barely puts his hand on his shoulder. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, that's about as much like compassion you could expect from a late 1800s aristocratic man. Yeah. I'm surprised you even got that far and not just like a punch. They're there, old chap. They're there, old chap. <laughs> Um, I liked Arthur's character because just the growth that he goes through, like in the first, very first episode, he knew he was doing wrong when he looked into Alma's eyes when they told her that he decided not to give extra time. I feel like until he started to change, he was trying to please everyone. But then after the loss of his child, he focused more on what was right and to be a better person because he wanted to be a great father and he didn't get that opportunity. So he's like, I'm going to be a great person. I'm going to be a great man. You seem like like when he's playing pool or I guess they would call it billiards back then. With his friends and they're like, oh, how was up north? And he's like, oh, yeah, like they're really going through some stuff. And like those commoners, like almost not here. You don't have to put on a performance anymore. And he's like, huh, like my friends might be assholes kind of. thing. Yes. I thought that same thing during that part. I was like, God, his friends are dicks. Like I even wrote that down. I was like, dick friends. They're just... Like it shows, like that's what I was afraid he was going to be. But luckily he's not. He's like the one who's kind of like, no, this ain't completely right. And then to parallel the struggles that Suter is dealing with in episode three, you learn like when he goes home to Glasgow Mm -hmm. that his father is abusive and he's trying to like send his mom money and get them to have a better life. You're meant to feel bad for him when he has to accept the Blackburn offer. But you kind of understand. Yeah. Because he clearly loves, I wouldn't say loves, he feels at home in Darwin. Like he's finally yeah. oh, he's gotten definitely okay like, yeah, with everyone adapting there. to it much more, yeah. But he's doing what he has to for his family. Right. And if you think about it, Jimmy knows I was gonna ask that, that his like, family is struggling Jimmy with that Jimmy has to things. know, right? Like Jimmy knows that it's like yeah, fa- he his knows. father's like a piece of shit and that it's like mothers and sisters are like, you know, need help. Yeah. I guess that's probably why they went to Darwin in the first place. Yeah, because he was going to be able to get paid and send money the back. The one thing that kind of bothered me about that not the fact that he had that it was the fact that it took so long to reveal it especially since three times before that he said you don't know anything about me i don't know why i hate that trope where the person says you don't know anything about me but then doesn't reveal anything about themselves they just like walk away they go you don't know the first thing about me turns walks away like wait wait but no if you're upset with them not knowing you tell them about you i don't know that's something very personal if you're dealing with a drunk abusive parent it's embarrassing for some people. Yeah, but I feel like back then it would 
probably much more then. common and like they like I feel like his teammates would have so easily understood that but really he didn't struggling. want the pity Suter was a strong guy he did not want the pity from yeah, anybody well I think that's a little bit of toxic masculinity right there he's too proud yeah. he's just too <laughs> proud and I, I hate when people are too proud to accept help in TV and movies Though, especially when it's like friends and they're like I'll give you some money and they're like no I feel like a failure if I take your money I'm like no if you are struggling and you have a good <laughs> enough <it. laughs> nice enough decent enough friend to offer you cash or offer you some help take the help everyone needs help and then when they need help then you can offer some help in any way you can so i don't know why that trope kind of always bugs me and it happened like two to three times he said it to like the teammates and then he says it to martha and then i'm just like just explain it damn it just fucking explain (laughs) it and like you could tell he was about to and then like he got the rug pulled out from under him i felt like if he had explained it they might have like accepted it more rather than them finding out in the newspaper kind of thing do you think he threw the game the last game i don't think so i think he was hungover and just he felt shitty yeah i mean he wasn't focused on yeah, the game but he knew he was going to that team eventually so wouldn't he i don't know i don't think so i don't think he would have thrown i think he might have not actually th- intentionally tried to like prevent them from winning but just didn't play his 100 percent, or purposely got drunk the night before so he knew he couldn't play his 100 percent. you know i don't know maybe even subconsciously it just felt like it was more than just he was having an off game it felt like maybe he wanted to throw the game but he didn't know if he wanted to so he's still maybe making the decision and maybe just doing that through the game in and of itself I don't mm-hmm. know. Either way. I was going to say, one thing I didn't like is that he didn't tell Jimmy because Jimmy was the person who would understand why he would go to Blackburn right. for more money. I know. I wish he had told Jimmy. Like, I wish he had told Jimmy. And I get he told Doris and Doris was like, don't tell him until after the right. wedding. I mean, you either got to tell him like, well, before the wedding or yeah, after. So that was one thing I didn't like. I wish he didn't keep Jimmy in yeah, the dark. I, I agree. Especially since like they were like such good friends. I wanted to say another office reference. <laughs> Am I going to have to start <laughs> limiting like your office reference? References to like one episode. I seriously thought I only had one because I watched these two like a week apart. When they said, This is a game for gentlemen, I immediately thought of, You're a gentleman in a store. <laughs> From the very first episode when he's talking on the phone. All right. Okay. Good. Good job. <laughs> Any other points you want to um, bring up? No, I think we kind of discussed them all. So episode three ends on a lot of cliffhangers. Yeah. It felt like a season finale, which was it great did. because it was right smack dab in the middle. It did feel like that could have been a season finale kind of thing. Yeah. But, oh yeah. I will say. I will say. And I think we should. Anytime we talk about TV miniseries or something, we'll probably each say whether we will turn to it or not. And I, I definitely will. I'll probably finish this. There's only three more episodes. They're not super long they're only like 40 minutes and i'm definitely like intrigued enough as to what happens so i'm i'm definitely gonna finish this i love this matt my husband actually really likes this show we watched it during quarantine last year and we both really enjoyed it now i am curious to know Derek's ratings on this show and let me just give you guys a reminder for objective competence i guessed he would rate it a b plus what you got I gave it an A. Like I said, I thought it was shot really well. I think the characters are like really well portrayed and well written. And like the first three episodes really got me invested. And I'm curious to see where the story goes. There was a couple times where like it seemed like they were trying to go over stylish with some shots that were just dialogue. And I'm like, this seems unnecessary. So that's kind of what bumped it down a little bit. But other than that, I think it's like a really well done show. So yeah, gave it an A. For personal enjoyment, I guessed seven. And I gave it. A seven. (gasps) 
And so for rewatchability, he already said he wants to finish watching it. But this is for rewatchability. I guessed a three. And I gave it a three. Like I said, oh I God. might watch it again at one point, like when I finish it. But it's probably not something I'm going to put on every like it's not, you know, you have your rotation of TV it's shows very often. Every couple right. of years, like I watched it last year. I wouldn't have watched it this year if it had been for this, but I would have watched Eventually, it. Yeah. So, yeah. OK, so you got a total. You were total off by two. Jamie knows Derek better. Jamie knows Derek better. Jamie knows Derek better. She wins this episode. Oh my God. Can I also say this is an amazing moment for me four episodes in and I finally got you something that you enjoy? I know. This is so exciting for me. You have no idea. Like I was genuinely going into this after editing episode three <laughs> and how much he hated that movie. I was going into this just like, you know what? This podcast is just Derek shit on, <laughs> shitting on Jamie. But no. <laughs> I, no, I like this one. I was afraid. I was starting the first episode. I was afraid it was going to be that too. I'm like, oh God, Jamie, what did you suggest? Just, and then it picks up and I'm like, okay, we're good. We're good. We're good. Well, this week was a great choice. I think that means it's time for our mini segment. Uh, this week's mini segment is going to be a discussion of best TV rivalries. Now, Derek and I have come up with some of our favorite TV rivalries from our favorite TV shows, not necessarily favorite TV shows, but TV shows yeah. we like and rivalries that we enjoy. So we're just going to We just talk about some. created a big old list here and we're just going to run through them and mention a little bit about them. Uh, I'm going to start us off. So the first one I put down uh, was from one of my favorite shows. It's from Scrubs. And if you know that show, then you know exactly what I'm going to say. It's JD versus the janitor. This is such a perfect rivalry. You don't know why the janitor really messes. Well, I guess you do. You figure out why at the end of the series that because JD dropped a penny in the door in like the first episode and because of that the janitor is like hated him ever since but like it's such like a one-sided rivalry I don't know why I just love it I love how JD keeps trying to get like on the good side of the janitor he keeps trying to be nice to the janitor right he switches like from trying to be nice to trying to prove how like evil of a person he is but like the janitor is like super <laughs> nice to like everyone else until you cross him that's a good one one of my favorite sitcom rivalries is i mean obviously i bring up the office every episode is the jim and dwight yeah, rivalry okay wait and they're before, just before you get into this hold up hold up hold up so hold up, hold up, hold up. So you had to What's bring up? up two office references in our discussions earlier even though you knew we were going to be discussing the office in our bonus segment yeah <laughs> okay go ahead go ahead <laughs> because bears eat no. beats no i bears reject your reality Battlestar I reject Galactica. It. okay go ahead <laughs> But they're such a funny rivalry. Like I get now with modern day and everything, I've seen posts about people calling Jim a bully. Yeah. But there are some things that he does to it. But Dwight most of the time deserves it because he goes off the deep end and is a crazy person sometimes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like I've seen that. And they kind of point that out in one, I think like near, I can't remember what season it is. Jim just lists a bunch of them because like Toby has that file. Oh, God. That was, and then that was Jim's good. like, yeah, when you read these all back to back, they don't sound as funny. They sound yeah. bad. So they kind of address it a little <laughs> bit. And they also like, I feel like how their relationship, their friendship develops, like how, how it like forms. Oh my God, I love it. It's so it. sweet. When they start becoming friends, like in season eight, when they go down to Tallahassee yeah. and they're in that hotel room and all this stuff happens to where Jim and Dwight are sitting in Dwight's hotel room, laying on the bed, eating desserts, 
watching sports. They're buddies. Oh, yeah. Then Jim becomes the bestest, the bestest mensch. Like, I love that. Um, Another one I just want to mention real quick is Jerry versus Newman from Seinfeld. I don't know if you watch Seinfeld a lot. I love Seinfeld growing up. Not often. You know? Okay, I still watch it. I've seen yeah. it, but not often enough. It's very dated now. It's kind of hard to watch sometimes, but like the Jerry Newman rivalry in that is so iconic, so well known. That's all I have to say about it. Another rivalry that I like in TV shows that Derek hasn't seen in Outlander, which is a great show, which I might be suggesting in the future Uh-oh. for Derek to watch, is the Jamie Fraser versus Randall. That's a great one. It's a long one through the series, and that's a fantastic, fantastic rivalry right there. Fucked up rivalry, but fantastic. <laughs> I don't think you've seen The League. Okay, The League, the rivalry I put down for that was Rafi versus the entire League, because if you know that show, Rafi's just this like crazy outside character that just comes in and out and just basically throws the league into chaos. One of my favorite TV shows of all time is The Crown. Derek has watched it and he suggested one and I suggested another from that. So I've actually only seen the last two seasons of The Crown. Ah. I haven't seen the first two. So I suggested Queen Elizabeth versus Thatcher. Which is great because it's real, that rivalry between them. Like you can tell like some of the conversations they have in that show, there's so much tension and you see they're just like wielding their power back and forth. It's, It's a great rivalry. It's so good. The one that I brought up was the royal family versus Diana, because that is just tragic. It's literally like their entire royal family is against this woman, which is sad. Like, that's kind of how it happened. They weren't okay with her being more of the people's princess. I mean, that's kind of what happened now with, oh, what's the, who are the members? Meghan Markle and Prince Harry. Yeah, they just probably going through very similar things that Diana was going through, and they're just like, fuck this, we're leaving. Like, this ain't worth it. Oh, yeah. Let's go on to a happier rivalry. Like, okay, this one's kind of a rivalry that formed more into a friendship, like a begrudging friendship, and it's Rory Gilmore and Paris from Gilmore Girls. My fiance and I quote-unquote hate-watched the entire series of Gilmore Girls, including their, like, Netflix revival, because we had just ran out of shows for a little bit and didn't know what to watch, so we watched it, and we just basically complained about it to each other every episode. But the one character we both love was Paris, and her one-upmanship with Rory in the beginning to them becoming like friends who constantly push each other. I'm going to take it back to our childhood with some cartoons. And my favorite rivalry when I was a kid was Mr. Krabs and Plankton from SpongeBob SquarePants. Oh, such a good like business professional rivalry. I'm not sure if you know this, but it was revealed in like much later seasons. I think like after probably we both stopped watching SpongeBob that they were like business partners. Plankton and Mr. Krabs were business partners originally. And then they had a falling out. So it's kind of like a tragic rivalry. Oh, weird. Yeah. They definitely created that. That story oh, later on. That was not in their minds no. <laughs> during the first several seasons. No, 100, I 100% agree. There's a couple episodes that really make you feel for Plankton. Like, he's just trying to make a living. He's just trying to get by. I know. But why did he put his restaurant on the exact opposite side of the street from the Krusty Krab, just like Christian Bale set up his show right across the street from Hugh Jackman's oh, oh, show? Oh, I didn't bring that. <laughs> oh, I will say. Sorry. Back to that. I love the scene when uh, Christian Bale crashes Hugh Jackman's performance. Remember that part Christian Bale comes into Hugh Jackman's transporting man and then like he ties up Hugh Jackman's double and he's like oh I'm sorry there's just too much magic to contain oh, to yeah. my theater across the street and he's like come see it and then he like runs out I'm like what a dick but yeah. that is the best form of marketing 
ever. Oh, it's so sorry. Okay, back to rivalries. Back TV to TV rivalries. rivalries. I forgot which one we were talking about. I did Spongebob. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, also, why does Plankton serve chum? Chum is like chopped up fish, and he's serving it to fish. I know. He's a cannibal. There's a lot of stuff that doesn't make sense in Spongebob. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we, can't, we could have a whole, <laughs> whole other podcast simply devoted to what doesn't make sense in Spongebob. Can we have a Spongebob tribute podcast where we watch all of Spongebob? Maybe we'll do like a Spongebob episode one day. I don't think. No, I'm going to, on my own then. Let's see where this podcast goes. I'm just going to start a Spongebob tribute. Let's see where this podcast goes before we start another one. Who lives in a pineapple under the sea? Spongebob Squarepants. Squarebob Spongebob. My next one, let's go with, this is, it kind of comes in and out from this show, but Phil Dumphy and Gil Thorpe from Modern Family. Gil Thorpe is his rival realtor who always just seems to be like one step ahead and always has like the nicer house and stuff than him. I don't know. This one's kind of funny because it's much more of a comedic rivalry and like it's just kind of fun to see like Phil kind of scramble around and you see him trying so hard just to do a little bit better. This one's just one I always like I always forget about it (laughs) until he comes into an episode. I don't like it. All right. I'm going to give just one more one that I really liked. I recently watched Dairy Girls on Netflix and there's a couple different rivalries in there but one of my favorites is DeJerry and Granda Joe. That's what it was written as on uh, IMDb was their names is DeJerry and Granda Joe. So that's the main girl's dad and grandfather. The grandfather hates him <laughs> so much and the dad is just like takes he's the abuse. He's just trying his best. And he's like, dude, what are you even talking about? <laughs> he, I think he just hates him because he's his son-in-law. So it's just that like kind of stereotypical, oh, you took my daughter. But he just <laughs> plays it up to like 11. I think he plays oh, yeah. it up because there's that one scene, I think it's the end of season one, where the bad times are still going on in Northern yeah. Ireland and like a bombing happens and they're watching the TV and like the grandpa puts his hand on the son-in-law's yeah. shoulder. Oh yeah, I think they both kind of know it's a little bit for show at this point. But it's so funny just like when the dad does something nice and the grandfather is like yeah. shitting on him constantly. <laughs> it's great. All with Irish I need to accents. rewatch that show. I've, I've seen it like once all the way through and then seen episodes here and there, but I, I want to rewatch it now. All right, what's your last one? My last one? one isn't actually a rivalry between two people, but two cities. And from Parks and Rec, it's between Pawnee versus is Eagleton, which I just realized if you think about it, Pawnee wins that out because Eagleton eventually gets dissolved and reabsorbed into Pawnee in like one of the later seasons. So technically, Pawnee wins that rivalry just out flat. <laughs> but no, I love this rivalry because like you see how much Leslie just utterly hates Eagletonians and like all the Eagletonians are what I thought Arthur Kennard was going to be from the English game. They're all just the super pompous yeah. rich people who don't even know that like being poor is an actual thing in the world kind of thing. Like they think Pawnee is like the poorest you can possibly get. I've seen that once through and I really want to watch oh, it again. It's such a good. It's only on the Peacock now and only the first two seasons are free. Aww. You gotta, yeah. I'm sick of all of these streaming services. <laughs> it's so, it was so much easier when you really just needed like Netflix and Hulu. Now you need Netflix, Hulu. Now you need HBO Max and Disney Plus and Peacock and Epics and Stars. Paramount's and just- coming out There's with one so too it's so much like it's just gonna be like cable and then i guarantee you a company's gonna come along and gonna be like hey we can bundle these for you for a slightly reduced price and it's just gonna be cable packages again it's gonna be like the exact same thing i know full circle people i know full circle i know it's annoying which i think that brings us time to our mini game. <sighs> 
first on their suggestions. I'm gonna go first on the mini games this week. And my mini game is something that everyone should know how to play. Marry, fuck, kill. I'll give him three choices. Are you picking like movies or characters for me? Both. Oh shit. Okay. Want me to explain it real quick? Explain the movie way you play. For our version of Mary Fuck Kill, when someone picks three separate movies or and or TV shows, the Mary is you get to basically watch it whenever you want, slash you have to watch it at least five times. Fucking is you only get to watch it or have to watch it at least once. And killing means you don't have to watch it at all. Yeah, and I think for characters, it should be if you I don't fuck, know. Well, if it's characters, it, it's which one I would marry, which one I would fuck, and which one I would kill. If it's if you're picking characters, okay, but these are rivalries because the theme is rivalries. <laughs> oh, you're gonna pick three rivalries. Oh, well now you're changing the whole game. Well, okay, no, well we're just going with polyamorous stuff. Which one? Which couple would I marry? Which couple would I fuck? And which couple would I kill? Same thing. <laughs> no difference here. This is getting really weird. Derek's gonna be in a threesome with some very strange people. We're, let's find out. Here we go. <laughs> Throw them at me. Okay, so I'm doing three separate ones. The very very first, Mary Fuck Kill. You have Batman versus Joker, Avengers versus Thanos, and Luke Skywalker versus Darth Vader, which are three of his favorite things DC, Marvel, and Star He's Wars. A Batman, <laughs> Joker, Avengers, Thanos. Luke Vader to marry, fuck, kill. Well, who do you want to be in a threesome with? Who do you want to be a thruple with? And who do you want to kill? I guess I'll, you know what? I'm going to kill Luke and Vader. Because that would be weird. Yeah, because that's, that's father son. son. That's weird. <laughs> I'm going to fuck the Avengers and Thanos because that's just an orgy, basically. So I get to just have an orgy with the MCU. Dream come true right there. What's up? <laughs> And then I will marry Batman and the Joker. And I'll just have to be like the mediator, the mediator, ah, the in between, the middleman between the two of them, the mediator. Why can't I say that word? That's going to be such a toxic relationship. <laughs> hey, they're more like they need each other. They're, they're the two sides of the same coin. And I'm the coin purse that they're going to be. I don't know. This is getting weird. Y- yes. Okay. This went a really let's, let's weird way from what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> Let's go to the next one. <laughs> I thought more along the lines, not literally Mary fucking killing when I was writing these out. I was thinking more that's along the lines of like your favorite, your good, and one you don't want to exist anymore. Well, yeah, that's what I thought, like what we do when we pick movies. But if you're throwing characters at me, the name of the game is Mary fuck kill. I'm marrying someone, I'm <laughs> fucking some people, and I'm killing some people. It's the way it works. Okay, so for that one, that'll be the rules. The second one, I have movies. Okay, so like I said, Mary, I get to watch it as much as I want. Fucking it. I get to only watch it once. Killing it. Don't got to watch it. Batman versus Superman. Captain America Civil War. Zoolander. <laughs> what a random eclectic. Okay. <laughs> oh, that's that's easy. That's easy. Ooh. Okay. Actually, okay. No, one of them is easy. I'm marrying Civil War. You marry Civil War. That's an easy okay. one. How often am I really going to return to Zoolander versus Batman v Superman? That's what I'm thinking. Like Batman v Superman might be more enjoyable. You know what? We're going to kill. Yep. We're going to kill Batman v Superman and we're going to fuck Zoolander. Surprising turn of events. <laughs> All right. The last one is characters again, but real people. And I don't want this to be more of a. <laughs> would you I will play the game how I see fit. With. This is my mini game. When you do marry, fuck, kill, you marry. Make the rules. <laughs> Fine. So this one, they're all TV show okay. rivalries. I want it to be, you want it to stay in okay. the show. Like you don't want to change the show at all. Fuck, I want you to only have it two episodes worth of this storyline. Okay. And then kill, there was never a TV rivalry between these two people. Got it. Go ahead. Jim versus Dwight, JD versus Janitor, and Jake Peralta versus Doug Judy. Oh, why did we not talk about that one in the mini segment? I don't 
<laughs> Holy shit. You even had it for this. How did you not? Uh, I wasn't on the page. That one is so I wasn't good. on the right that page. That one is such a good one. Fuck you. This one's tough. Um, I guess I'd have to go with. Uh, so I got to think about what. Sh- you know what? Unfortunately, I have to kill Peralta and Doug Judy because I think that show. <gasps> I was not expecting. Okay, it. so I'm gonna kill that. I'm gonna fuck JD and uh, the janitor, and then marry Jim and Dwight. And here's why: I did that based on how much it would affect the show. I think essentially Brooklyn Nine Nine is the same if you take out that. I think as long as the JD janitor stuff was still like sprinkled in even if it wasn't a big part of scrubs the show itself would still work actually originally the janitor was only supposed to be in like the first two episodes so that was their original plan anyway and then i think without jim and dwight the office does not work anywhere near as well as it does i think that show would have been canceled much quicker this was a lot of fun putting this mini game together so i was like who are derek's favorite rivals let me just ruin his day and make him choose between All them right. the, the last one was the only really difficult one the other two, I kind of at least got like two or three that I like knew exactly where I was going to place. This one took a little thinking. Well, the first one was weird. It went in a weird direction. <laughs> I like the direction it went in. I like it. Whoa. <laughs> hey, now. <laughs> All right, which brings us to my mini game. My mini game this week is Two Truths and a Lie, which is very self-explanatory. I'm going to say three statements. Tell me a couple of lies, and yeah. then I have to say which one I want to be no, true. No, no, I'm going to say three statements, <laughs> and you're going to give me which one is the lie. And so these I just right. based off of our picks this week. So they're uh, somehow related to either the prestige or the English game. So statement number one, the Asian magician with the fishbowl trick from the prestige was actually a real life stage magician named Chung Ling So that is most famous for dying while attempting the bullet catch. Statement number two. Lord Arthur Kennard actually held the record for most titles for over a hundred years until 2010. And statement number three, The Prestige is Christopher Nolan's lowest rated films, according to Rotten Tomatoes. So one of them is true. No, no, no. One of them's a lie. Two of them are true. Two truths and a lie. Oh, <laughs> Not two lies and a truth. You're like, it's pretty obvious. And I'm just like, fuck. Two truths and a lie. So two of those are true. One of them's a lie. And it's your job Um, to figure out what it is. Let me know what you're thinking. What's going on through your head? I think one of the truths is the Arthur Kinnid. I'm not going to say anything when you're done. I know, I know, I know, I know. Say what the lie is and then lock that in, okay? I'll lock it in when I'm done. I'll say I lock it in. So I'm thinking Arthur Kinnid is true because while doing research for this, I feel like I saw that. I feel like the first one you said about the Asian magician is true because you can't come up with that many facts about someone. You came, you put way too many facts in that. <laughs> to me, I was like, it's a lot of information. But I also feel like Christopher Nolan has had much worse movies than this, like Memento. So I'm going to lock it in and say the third statement was the lie. Ooh, I'm so sorry, Jamie, but you are correct. The third statement <gasps> was the lie. The Prestige is actually Christopher Nolan's second lowest rated film on Rotten Tomatoes with his first being Interstellar. Do you want to try to guess what oh, those shit. two, what they're rated at? Uh, I haven't seen Interstellar, okay. so I'm not going to guess that okay, one. Okay, so well, at least try to guess the Prestige. Prestige, I'm going to guess lowest, I would guess 30 or lower, right? Or is that too low? This isn't part okay, of the game. Okay, no, the Prestige at is the second lowest rated film at 74%. Interstellar is his lowest at 72%. Christopher Nolan doesn't really have 
bad films. Have you seen Memento? Memento? No, I actually haven't, but I feel like most people like that movie. I feel like that's a pretty critically acclaimed film. Obviously, I don't like Christopher Nolan movies, apparently. Clearly not. He's not a director that I'm going for. All right, so yeah, that was the lie. <laughs> Lord Arthur Kennard did hold the roast record for uh, titles for over 100 years until 2011 when Ashley Cole surpassed him. He also still holds the record for most F.A. title appearances. And then the Asian magician in The Prestige, who did the fishbowl trick, was a real stage magician named Chung Ling Su. And he did die attempting the bullet catch. But twist, twisty twist twist, he was actually not even Asian. The real life dude was a white guy who pretended to be Asian for his act. His name was William Ellsworth Robinson. That's so crazy, right? That sounds like something a white guy would do. (laughs) But like, I've it's such a weird fact that they kind of took that and used it in the film and kind of like show that like he did this his whole life like he dressed up and kind of disguised himself you know don't do this people but obviously they kind of took that story for somewhat inspiration either the author of the original book or Christopher Nolan for this movie as like what Christian Bale did with the whole like leading a double life leading a lie but yeah so you won two truths and a lie you got it right you couldn't really lose Mary no Fuck that Bill. one's more just like thought experiments and see why Derek wants to fuck the Avengers. Derek, why do you want to fuck the Avengers? that Hulk dick. What do you mean? (laughs) Good God. (laughs) What do you mean, why do you want to fuck the Avengers? Let's end end. the show. I think that's a good note to end on. That's a great note to end on. (laughs) That was our show. We reviewed uh, The Prestige and The English Game, and the final score was tallied, and I won, and I gave a good suggestion. I won personally and professionally. Like we said in the last couple episodes, we like to read uh, reviews at the end of each episode. And this is the first time that we can actually read real life reviews. We actually got some so on iTunes. So I pulled up one from iTunes. We got it right here. It's five stars from KGAT. Such great first episodes. I'm always upset in Soul Surfer when they killed the shark. It wasn't its fault. It was just doing its shark thing. And Jamie's right. Way too many animal deaths in Mowgli. It's too sad. Love the wild. Thornberry casting, Timothy Chalamet would be a hilarious choice. Can't wait for the next one. Aww. And here's another review real quick. Um, I don't know who wrote this one. <laughs> it, it's such a great podcast. Absolutely love the hosts. And from what I hear, that Derek is one big beefy boy, winky emoticon. I want to know who wrote that. Well, I wanted to give a shout out to a couple people this week who didn't review it on anything they like texted me after it came out and let me know what they thought of it, which y'all go review it on stuff. Go on Instagram, leave us a review. Go on YouTube, leave us a review. Go on iTunes, leave us a review. Go on Spotify. Can you leave us a review Facebook. on po- Spotify? I don't know if they can. No. They can't? Okay. Don't go on. Well, go, no. listen to it on Spotify. Go review it somewhere else. There's lots of places you can go review it. And I love these texts that you guys are sending me. So I'm okay with that. Just go leave a review too. Yes. So the first one I wanted to do, Claire and Jasmine, both of y'all said it felt like you were in a conversation with us, which is great. That's what we want you guys to mm-hmm. feel like, even if you don't know us. We want to feel like we're just sitting next to you talking about some great movies and TV or some bad movies yeah. and TV. The next one is my mother-in-law, Susan. She said that she had no idea what we were talking <laughs> about, but we were able to keep her interested and entertained. 
detained on her drive. That's like, boom, like that's impressive. Not to toot our own horns, but if we're (laughs) able to keep people engaged and they don't even know what we're talking about, I mean, come on. And then one special shout out to my cousin Tim in England, which our podcast is international, y'all. He asked, why for Nigel Thornberry did we not suggest David Thewlis? Thewlis, yeah. Uh, For those of you who don't know, that's Remus Lupin from the Harry Potter series. And yes, I completely agree. He is the perfect casting. And the fact that neither of us. Yeah, we fucked up. Yeah, we definitely (laughs) fucked up on that one. Our bad. Tim, you win that game or that segment. Tim wins that segment. (laughs) Put put a W in the Tim column. Yes, like I said earlier, leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. And if they don't allow reviews, there's so many places you can go. You can go to Instagram, YouTube, Facebook. You can DM us anywhere. iTunes. Maybe next episode, you'll hear your review on our podcast. Exactly. Like she was saying, if you don't want to leave us a review, you can also write into us at I know you DJ podcast at gmail.com. Write into us. Tell us what you think, how much you love us. If you think we're doing something we shouldn't be or like want to change something, let us know. Maybe we'll take that into account. You can also find us on Instagram at I know you pod or at Jamie's Instagram at Jamie Dura or at me, Big Freaking Geek. I like how you said my last name, Derek. Dura. 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 <laughs> Well, we like to let you know what we'll be watching next episode so you can understand what we're talking about and not be spoiled. Uh, we like you guys to also write in and tell us what you think of the movie, what you think the theme will be, and what your ratings are for these suggestions. We're going to be watching The Mandalorian, which can be found on Disney+, Plus, but we'll only be watching episodes 1, 4, 7, and 8, and those are all in yep. season 1. And then the next suggestion that we're going to watch is a miniseries called Godless, and that's on Netflix, and we'll be watching the the first three episodes of this. So let us know who you think suggested what, what you think the theme will be, and your ratings for these suggestions. And just to let you know, we post this podcast every other Tuesday. So remember to come back and listen to us wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you so much for listening to I Know You with Derek and Jamie. Until next time, I'm Derek. I'm Jamie. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> we need to think of a better outro. I know, but this is good. Bye. Bye.